Welcome to the New Man Podcast, a show for brave men to experience freedom in their faith, sexuality, and relationships. The goal? To provide practical tools and timeless principles that help you become the man you were made to be. And now, your host, Sathya Sam. Hey everybody, it's Sathya Sam here and welcome to the New Man Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening and uh, man, I'm having a great day because two different people have given me compliments about this podcast. They told me how much they love it, they find the content humorous and relatable and really insightful and uh, you guys know who you are. Thank you. Thank you for your kind words and for your support and encouragement. I really, really appreciate it. Man, uh, you know, the, another really cool thing happened today. I interviewed for uh, Promise Keepers podcast, um, Promise Keepers Canada, which has been renamed as Impactus. And uh, we've interviewed a couple guys from that organization on our podcast. Uh, the episode with Kirk Giles just got released yesterday, I believe, and he's the former president and the current president, Dean Brenton, is um, his episode's coming up, I think, in October. And Dean just interviewed me on his podcast, and it's just kind of surreal because as a young boy, a young teenager, uh, you know, when I was really seeking after the Lord, I wound up at a Promise Keepers event. I had never been anything like that, you know, just being in an, an arena filled with men worshiping God and, and you know, devoting their lives to Him and all kinds of stuff. Um, it was just, it, it was really cool for me because, you know, the reality is if you guys are attending churches or you grew up in churches, they're kind of female dominated, you know, like uh, it's mostly women that are out there and um, and it, it's not to say that men aren't, are like non-existent, but you just don't see them in that kind of quantity quite often. And so um, I was just so thrilled, man. I was honestly thrilled uh, to to be a part of the event and just thought this is such a cool move that God is doing. And um, I don't know, it's just cool like 10 years later to be like, wow, I get to be part of what God's doing here. This is this is kind of surreal. So um, so super fun. And I'm actually a contributor for one of their blogs as well. And um, and so I'm doing some, some video blogs and uh, a couple other things as well. So anyway, just lots of fun learning uh, every single step of the way. And um, it's cool. It's really cool to see what God's doing with the New Man podcast. But that is not the content for our, um, our time together today. Uh, what I actually want to talk about is purity culture. And so the, the title or the question at hand is, is purity culture really that bad? So we'll backtrack and we'll just start with the basics. You know, it's funny. It, the, the more familiar you, you kind of get with content, like so here we are on episode, I think this is 107. So 107 episodes that are just about, you know, all subjects pertaining to freedom and sexuality and wholeness and health and overcoming porn and sexual misbehavior and, you know, yada, 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 men's health and men's well-being. So sometimes you get really familiar with the subjects. And I mean, I like eat, live and breathe this stuff, you know, like it's not just the podcast, but I mean, we have a weekly newsletter and, and we're constantly uh, working on new new products and new resources to give away. So we have the Ultimate Recovery Guide and I'm working on my book. And uh, by the way, that book, uh, we're getting close to the release date. I'm really excited to share that with you guys. Um, but you know, anyway, the, like the, the list kind of goes on and on and on, right? There's, there's all the stuff that we just get immersed in. And sometimes what happens with myself and I know some of my colleagues who have 
wonderful ministries is we just, we use terms and language and we assume everybody else knows what that means. Because for us, they become so familiar that we just kind of um, talk about it without maybe caring to give an explanation. So purity culture is one of those things like everybody's kind of talking about it in the evangelical circle about purity culture and, and there's been this huge revolt against purity culture. Um, you know, some people losing their faith over it. And um, I wanted to talk about it, at least address it a little bit because uh, I've been really impacted by it and, and a little bit disturbed about some of the things that are going on. But I just wanted to start by explaining purity culture just so we have kind of a, an equal footing. So um, I don't know the exact timeline, but I'm going to say roughly 30 to 40 years ago, a lot of the messages in the church around sexuality were basically don't watch porn, don't have sex before marriage, and don't look at women lustfully. So it was very much a list of do's and don'ts. Here are the things that you should do, and here are the things you should not do. And it was really simple. Like if you were struggling, you know, with um, bad sexual thoughts, or, uh, you know, maybe you were looking at porn, or maybe you had done worse, you know, and cheated on your wife or whatever. It was like, well, just stop it. That was the solution. It was like, well, just stop it. If sin is bad and it's as simple as that, just stop sinning. Stop doing it. Bounce your eyes if, you, if you're looking at women lustfully. If you're cheating, you know, like get, give your head a shake, repent and stop doing it. And, you know, that was kind of the message of the day. Now, it was never or it wasn't always that rigid, but that was kind of the essence of the message. What happened with time is, um, you know, things developed. So we kind of, I would say, had a bit more of a gospel-centric approach to some of these things where it was like, okay, sexuality is not something to be afraid of. We, we can talk about these things. It's okay. We can talk about it. But the whole, um, the whole pinnacle of purity culture really was around this idea of, um, of your virginity being something that you give away. Um, that you lose your virginity the first time you have sex. And again, these are not all these ideas are bad, but, um, but this was kind of the layout. And then um, that the, the, real, um, the real trophy of purity culture was if you could not give away your virginity, not lose your virginity until your marriage day. And if you were able to do that, then, then you would have the most magical experience on your wedding night. So it was very simple. All you do is just suppress and stifle your sexuality. And then when you get married, suddenly a switch flips and it's all daisies and roses and you have a perfect, healthy sexual life because you honored the Lord every single day leading up to it. That was the kind of the messaging of purity culture. Now, some of the markers were things like promise rings. Uh, sorry, not promise rings, purity rings, which is sort of that you wear a ring and the ring basically signifies like I'm consecrating myself to Jesus or to God until I'm married. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be pure. And everything just revolved around virginity maintenance. It was all about protecting your virginity, keeping it intact until you got married. That is basically, that was basically purity culture. So uh, again, if you listen to this podcast in any capacity, I'm sure I don't need to explain to you some of the destructive elements, but we're going to just go after it a little bit. Um, but then I, I guess the other thing that I want to tackle in our, in our episode today 
is sort of this overcompensation that is taking place in in response to some of the detriments of purity culture. So let's let's just start with um, kind of the realities here. So some of the things uh, that were good about purity culture is number one, they were not afraid, and, and, and when I say they, I just mean anybody who was kind of a proponent of purity culture. They were not afraid to talk about the standards, the biblical standards. And here's the reality. Sex before marriage is a biblical standard. Sex was reserved exclusively for marriage. And we've done other episodes on this in the past, but in case you need a refresher, it's as simple as this. All relationships romantically stand on two legs, intimacy and commitment. And the goal is that the level of intimacy you experience in a relationship is meant to be matched and dictated by the level of commitment you have to that person. So low levels of commitment only call for low levels of intimacy, which is why a one-night stand feels wrong in many, many senses. Now, on the flip side, the most uh, intense or, or the most uh, severe form of commitment that you can have to a person is a covenant. It's called marriage. And the most severe form of commitment demands the most severe form of intimacy, which is sex. Now, again, severe is actually, that's kind of the purity culture thing talking, isn't it? Because sex is not severe, like it's some really oogie-boogie bad thing. Um, it, but what I mean is the most, um, the most intense form. The, the strongest form of, in, of commitment demands the strongest form of, of intimacy. And, and that's the basic premise. Now, that is a biblical standard. Sex is meant to be between a man and a woman in a covenant relationship. And, and it's, it's as simple as that. And I think that was a good thing about purity culture. Um, and and I, think, I think maybe that might be it for me. You know, I think I love that purity culture um, set a standard and it upheld it. I think where purity culture has become really destructive is that it has really, um, it, it has stifled our voices to actually talk about sex. So a lot of parents who, you know, um, were part of this kind of uh, purity culture movement, their, their conversations with their kids were just simply do's and don'ts. There was no freedom to explore your sexuality, to discuss it, to talk about the temptations that come with it. It was very uh, like, let's put out the fire here before this becomes something I can't handle. And that is the really sad part about purity culture. And the other problem, and, and I suppose this is what I'm witnessing in even, uh, even my friends. I, I'm on a squeaky chair, by the way, so if you hear a little bit of that, that's what's going on. Um, but I, I think the other problem is that it, it sort of created this idea of like, look, just tough it out until you get married. Like, because this is the standard, right? Like, what I, what I said, I, I stand by it, which is that sex is designed to be between a man and a woman in the context of marriage. And I think that the issue is that people have said, oh, okay, perfect. So then, like, I just have to tough it out, and then I get married, and I'm good to go. But the problem is we haven't given per people permission to talk about sex, to explore their sexuality. We haven't given people to, uh, permission to really master their sexuality. Instead, all we've told people is just like, try to tame it. Just try to tame the beast instead of embracing something that is God-given and God-ordained. So this is the whole issue around purity culture. And what's happening is people are getting married. And then it's like, oh, this is not all daisies and roses. Like, I'm not enjoying sex. I still feel ashamed about it. Or I am enjoying sex, but my marriage is kind of a catastrophe. Why are we fighting all the time? I thought, 
I thought if I honored God with my body, then he would honor it back and, and marriage would be fine. And, and again, some of these conclusions maybe seem a little bit of a stretch, but they all fall under that umbrella of purity culture, which was just simply, look, the Holy Grail is marriage. It's the wedding night. Just honor the Lord with your body. Don't give in. The temptations are going to come. Be strong. It'll all be worth it. And people are finding out on the other side that that was a bunch of baloney. That's not what happens at all. So this is sort of the fallacy of purity culture. Um, I think the other thing that, that's really um, devastating about purity culture is that it, it is basically, it's like taking this taboo subject and then wrapping it in layers and layers of shame. So I have friends who grew up in purity culture who are in their 40s now, been married you know, multiple decades, some of them, and they still feel guilty about having sex. So just imagine that. These are people with kids, for goodness sake. They have kids, they've been married, and they still combat the guilt of just simply enjoying sex, something that was God-ordained from day one. This is the problem with purity culture. Because if you suppress your sexuality for the first 20, 25, 30, 35 years of your life, what makes you think you're just going to magically flip on a switch and suddenly enjoy it? It doesn't work that way. Sexuality was meant to be embraced from day one. And when you are taught that, everything changes. We don't need purity culture. All we simply need is sexual wholeness and sexual integrity. And, and that is what this is really all about. That, that was God's design, was that we were meant to enjoy our sexuality, to have an appreciation for it, and to value it so much that we would make good decisions to protect and to enhance it. That is true you know, purity or holiness or sexuality. You can call it whatever you want. But the, the point is that, that that was the design. That's what God really set out for us. Now, uh, the problem is, and, and this is very typical, but in response to a, a very toxic culture and a toxic message, many Christians have over-responded and overcompensated, compromising biblical standards in the process. So there are people out there who are writing books, blogs, launching podcasts, and really building movements and followings that are kind of promoting this message that, you know, it's okay if you have sex before marriage as long as you don't feel guilty about it. Or, um, you know, it's it's okay to kind of, um, you know, just experiment. Some, some people use this metaphor like, you know, if you're really serious and you're committing to someone, it's okay for you to um, test drive the car before you drive it off the lot. That kind of thing, or it's okay to take it for a spin before you buy it. You know, it's okay to sort of uh, to sort of fool around and mess around, and you know, it's just sex. That that's kind of been the message that has overcompensated or over-responded to the toxicity of purity culture. And if if that's somebody, uh, or if you're somebody who's in that camp, let me just say, I get it. Like I, I I can't blame you in some ways because I can just imagine the pain and the anguish and the frustration that purity culture has caused. I totally get why people are revolting. And, and in some ways, it's like it would be crazy if you didn't because you were sort of um, reinforced this message. You were, you were given this message that ultimately was a complete lie and it left you in a worse place. It left you confused. It left you questioning. And it, it put you in a place where you, you had no choice but to doubt everything that led up to that moment. 
I get that. And I, I, I cannot fault you for it. But here's what I want to say. In, in your response, in your outrage and your resentment and your bitterness against purity culture, do not compromise the standards of God. Because I, I, think, I think that's where the pendulum swings a little bit too far. Remember that God's standards are not, they're not a test. He, he didn't just give you some standards to say like, all right, well, let's, let's see if you can handle it. You know, good luck, sayonara, I'll see you on the other side once you tie the knot. That, that was never what this was meant to be about. No, God, God's design was that you would, would experience sexuality, marriage, commitment, intimacy the way he designed it and the ways he designed it are always optimal remember that the design of god for anything for any person for a destiny for a body part for an organ for a system for a process what a principle whatever it might be his design is always optimal so we start there and and everything i see in the bible like I have my own burnout and my own frustrations with purity culture and all the toxicity around it and all the silly messaging and all the damage it's done. I'm, I'm very frustrated by it. But let's not lose sight of God's standards. Let, let's not dilute the standards of God because that was never the issue. The issue was how we interpreted those standards and how we tried to encourage people to apply them. It was a lot of fear-based methods, a lot of control, a lot of manipulation, a lot of behavior modification. And there was no room to simply just explore your sexuality, to enjoy it. And as a result, people who have messed up, which is a majority of people, Christian and non-Christians alike, are, are tampering and tinkering with these boundaries all the time and feeling oodles of shame and guilt and feeling like they're damaged goods they can never recover it's hopeless it's over for them and i'm here to tell you that's a lie it's not over our god and the whole premise of the gospel is that everything every person every situation every story can be redeemed that's the essence of the gospel. It's true for me in my life. I struggled with pornography for 15 years. I didn't sleep around, but I fooled around with girls. I've been redeemed. I got to go into marriage with a clean slate, forgiven, a free mind, fully embracing and thanking God for my sexuality and having a great sex life and a great marriage as a result. And you might be on the other side. Maybe you've already tied the knot and you're starting to kind of just unravel some of the elements of purity culture that, that were causing damage. They can be redeemed. It, 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 is, it doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter what your circumstances. It doesn't matter what your background is. If you're black or white, you're young or you're old, you're rich or you're poor, you're single or you're divorced or you're married or you're engaged. It literally doesn't matter. God can redeem all of it. Absolutely all of it. That is true purity culture. That, that is the essence, is that, that the work of Jesus on the, on the cross wipes us clean of all iniquity, wipes us clean of our sin. We are forgiven. And if you read Colossians 1.22, it's one of my favorite scriptures of all time. It explains that because, because we were once enemy enemies in our mind by our wicked works, but because of the work of Christ on the cross, because of the shed blood of Jesus, we are presented to God as, ready for this, holy, blameless, and above reproach. It has nothing to do with what you've done. It doesn't matter what your past is. 
but you're presented as holy, blameless, and above reproach. That is the gospel. You are given a stamp of approval that says you're good. You're not damaged goods. Okay, you're not hopelessly tainted for the rest of your life because you you engaged in some sexual misbehavior. Christ on the cross gives you the stamp of approval. You're holy, blameless, and above reproach. Now, of course, this bears the argument, well, Sophia, if that's true, then why does it matter if I sleep around? Why does it matter if I really love someone? Why can't I just have sex now? Why do I need to wait? Because you're missing the point. God's design is that sex happens in the safest environment possible. Sex is vulnerable. Sex is intimate. It's personal. And sex is designed. Our our very body chemistry shows us that we are designed to experience sexual intimacy with the same person. So yes, God will forgive you. 70 times 7, you're forgiven. And yes, you can continue to do what you want to do and God will forgive you. But that's not relationship with Him. Because imagine, imagine if you were married, all right, or maybe you are married, and your wife said, said to you, you know what? No matter what you do, you could cheat on me a hundred times, I would still love you. Would you cheat on her? No. You would never do that. Okay, well, maybe that's a bit of an extreme example. Maybe she just said, you know what? Um, you, could, you could gain all the weight in the world. You could be 700 pounds. And I'd still love you. So let me ask you, are you going to go gain 700 pounds? No. Why? Because you know that gaining that 700 pounds isn't good for you. Sure, you can get away with it. You can still have the relationship with your wife. She's going to love you regardless. That's not, a, that's not reason enough to simply do something that's actually destructive for you. But sex is so good, Sathya. It's, it's a good thing. It's, it's, it's healthy to experience that in a relationship. I totally agree. But it's optimal to experience it in marriage. So these are some of the things we need to talk through. And maybe we'll do another part on this because I'm kind of reaching uh, my rough time frame here. And um, you can can see I still have some thoughts. But this is, is, I guess, where the real crux of it. The question at hand is, is purity culture really that bad? The answer is yes. Purity culture has done a, a lot more harm than good over the years. But let's not dilute the standards here. Let us not forget the biblical model that was set before us because when we really engage with it, what you actually find is that God has good things for us. That purity culture was never about withholding good things. It was about giving us good things in their appropriate context so we could optimally enjoy them. And when that is your mindset around purity culture, it's something to be embraced, not to, to run away from. So I want to thank you so much for listening. Um, I, 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 uh, I feel something on this subject. I think we need to probably talk about it a bit more. And I'd love to hear your stories and I'd love to hear your questions around this because I know that probably each of you has an experience with purity culture. And I'm going to guess that maybe some of them are negative, maybe some of them are positive, some of them are neutral. But I'd love to hear your stories and that will actually help me in a future episode um, just to kind of iron out some of the content that we're going to Uh, that we'll include when we discuss the subject again. So we'd love to hear from you, but thank you so much for listening. Without further ado, uh, I wish you an incredible day. And if you are really looking for some help, uh, maybe you're ready to engage in a program, uh, you want to kind of uh, 
unwind uh, or, or rewire your brain. You want to undo some of the damage of purity culture. I'd love to get on, uh, on a call with you. We could talk a little bit about how to help you with pornography, with some of your sexual misbehavior, and how to dismantle some of the structures of purity culture so that you can actually live a sexually whole life. And maybe you're not ready for a program, but you're just looking for some other resources to get started. Uh, I highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. We're the only weekday podcast in the porn addiction recovery space. And uh, that means you're going to get content delivered to your device five times a week. And uh, we have an interview in there usually once a week and then, and then other content around important subjects like this. But we also have the ultimate guide for porn addiction. And this is a chance for you, uh, it's, it's, pardon me, the ultimate recovery guide. Let me be clear. It's the ultimate guide not for porn addiction. It's to recover from porn addiction. It's available at ultimaterecoveryguide.com. And it really includes my best practices for guys that are looking to get free and stay free long term. And these are practices that I've implemented myself in my own life. I still carry them out to this day. And they're practices that we've helped other guys implement in their lives and get free as a result as well. So that's uh, the Ultimate Recovery Guide for Porn Addiction. And you can get it at ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Much love to you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Talk soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to The New Man Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, you can share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please sign up for the weekly newsletter at www.sathiasam.com or follow on Instagram at Sam. Thanks again and see you next time.